befriend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for us at keyword World Talk Radio. The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. To the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Power of Water, and what is happening uh, globally. The environment is changing as you're all learning more about this, and this show is about what is happening on the planet you're living on about what is happening with dehydration diseases, what is happening in the environment to influence that, and what can you learn more about your health. And I'm one of those believers. I've been in research for well over 30 years, and I truly believe you should get out of bed every day and take responsibility for your own self uh, about how you want to live, take better care of your health, and take a responsibility more every day of learning everything you can. Can you imagine how much more available information, so much more available today than ever in history and more every day? Shows like this show. Our guests make the show exciting. We have been on over four years. We've had over 370 guests. We've had famous surgeons on, famous authors on, heads of the United Nations, NASA, um, around the world. We've been in Kenya. We've been in Holland. We've been all over the world interviewing very well-known people, authorities, people who are fascinating to want to learn more about how to take better care of our health and better care of our planet. Our guests today, again, are so valuable to our lesson here. We have Dr. Rex Hamilton, who is with uh, UCLA, with the Laser Refractive Eye Center, He's going to teach you about something they're learning more about eyes and a procedure that you may not have ever heard about. It is going to be exciting. And I will tell you, your eyes are your life, your vision, and your health are your life. Our second guest is Mark Davis, an MD, author of a medical um, research of learning more about the legal aspects of your health care and what is happening with frivolous lawsuits that are going on that we need to learn more about. Something before we go on to our first guest, our shuttle came down last week with Mark Kelly, and I want you to understand where I'm coming from with the shuttle and NASA. We cannot ever cheat on a budget, change the budget. We can change a lot of earmarks, but we can't change the budget of going out into space and learning more about how the Earth is evolving around the uh, universe. That is a must to the whole eternity of living on this planet and be healthy. They're learning that out away from Earth in space. They're not just learning how to go on a vacation 
someday they're learning more about health and the health of the earth. Please study more about that. We're learning more about those 5,000 children dying a day without water. I'm hoping the oil companies will take me on, and when they're in the area, go in and start drilling for water, too, and save those 5,000 children a day. Uh, Around the world, we're learning more about natural gas turbines and technology for power and electricity and using natural gas. Study about that. Melanoma breakthrough this last weekend. I'm the founder of Save a Child's Life Foundation to recognize melanoma in time many years ago. We have a melanoma breakthrough. Research that and find out more about it. And the seasons coming in the United States, learn more about how to take better care of your skin. We have a food chart that just came out, and I'm going to pick a bone with it. I said years ago when I've been studying water and, and your health and you learning to wanting to learn more about your nutrition, taking better care of your eyes and and everyday lifestyle. And I said they didn't have a glass of water on the pyramid. Guess what? The new one, the plate, does not have one glass of water. And I we're going to have to pick a bone with that one. They'll get a water glass of water on there someday because without water, your body is 50 trillion cells made up of water. Without water all day long, plain water to drink safe all day long, and the concentration of water, your life will not exist. So let's learn together. We're going to listen to our sponsor before we talk to Dr. Hamilton. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the only method of moisturizing the tear film. Uh, Because of dry eye, did you know your eyes at the surface are 98 to 99% water? When the eyelid is open, can you imagine the environmental impact? Now there's a product, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, 100% tissue culture grade of water uh, with just a mist. So you can daily give your eyes a nutrition. We'll listen to our sponsor and we'll be right back with Dr. Hamilton. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist. Just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinerHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinerHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Hamilton, I want to welcome you to the show. Thanks so much. 
Well, I know how busy you are, and uh, this is so important that, that people get better education about their eyes. And before we start learning more with you teaching us in your classroom here today, tell us a little bit about you. I noticed that you have a background, and I found that intriguing, in Master of Science in Engineering Physics, Biomedical Engineering, and Cardiac Background in Imaging. You know, I find that pro- you have got to be really doing well in your research in the eyes because of that background in the engineering. Now, follow me for a minute. Um, the eyes being connected to the brain and the whole organism of the body operating with life and the eyes have never had enough education or research to understand that the, your eyes are your life. It's your, uh, it's your whole existence of your health. I, I found that to be true. Tell me about how you got into what you're doing today, and then you can teach us about something you've learned more about some of the new surgeries. Well, it probably comes as no surprise that I'm on the same page as you with regard to the value of the eyes. And you know, I started out doing physics and math as an undergrad and at Dartmouth and then went to you know University of Virginia and got that engineering physics degree. And I'm a very analytical person and uh, began working in the industry in, in radiology and discovered that I liked the medicine side of things a bit better. I liked interacting with with people and the patients. And so, um, you know, during med school, I discovered ophthalmology as, as, a, as a wonderful combination of patient interaction and, and technology and surgery. And, and those are all the features that attracted me to the field. And, and uh, it's, been a, it's been a wonderful time over the last nine years since I've been in practice here at, at Jules Stein at the UCLA. Well, Lincoln can practice. you imagine what, you, what the breakthroughs and what you're learning? Oh, it's incredible. I mean, every year we we get improved technology with, with lens implants and, and in terms of what I do, but there are certainly other uh, very important breakthroughs in terms of retina disease and macular degeneration as well. But I think today you wanted to talk about uh, lens implants. Yes, we did. In fact, um, tell us about uh, your latest one, uh, and you're going to have to pronounce it, Fakik. How do you pronounce it? Uh, phakic. It comes from a Faked. Greek. It comes from the Greek word phakos, P-H-A-K-O-S, which means lens. Okay. And a, a phakic intraocular lens means that we're putting an implant inside the eye, in front of the natural crystalline lens in the eye. So unlike cataract surgery, which is where we're removing a cloudy lens from the eye and replacing it, um, this is for young patients that are very nearsighted and still have a, a very wonderful, flexible, natural lens in their eye that allows them to see, you know, to focus up close, we actually want to put a lens in there that corrects the nearsightedness that they have. So you can think about this as, as, a, as similar to LASIK in the sense that we're correcting nearsightedness, but it's available for patients that are not candidates for LASIK because they are so very nearsighted that uh, LASIK is not an option for them. And these are folks that can't see past their nose, essentially, without glasses or contact lenses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, let's go into a step here. Um, uh, let's go back to the LASIK for a moment. LASIK has been so popular yes. for individuals to want to, uh, and they dream about it. There's individuals who put it off because of time or put it off because of money, and then they finally get it, and then they found out they really weren't the candidate because one eye didn't do well and it was too dry, or something went severely wrong. Um, 
what is the difference between the, this particular surgery that may not cause this extreme dry eye? Okay, well, just, just to, and I, I just want to maybe just, just clarify a couple of things here. You know, LASIK is the most successful procedure, you know, surgical procedure probably in, in history. And, and it's exceedingly successful, probably 98% successful. There are side effects. There, there are dry eye issues that can occur. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets a dry eye for about three to six months after the surgery. Mm-hmm. And there, there are patients, as you mentioned, that, that are not great candidates for LASIK, um, maybe because they have some underlying autoimmune conditions such as rheumatoid arthritis or other, other conditions that, that predispose them to having dry eye even without the surgery. But, of course, in that setting, the dry eye is going to be much, much worse. So, so you're, you're exactly right. There are folks that have issues, but, but the vast majority of patients do very, very well with LASIK. Well, yeah, the population has grown so much that the proce- you know, there's many more people going and having these procedures than ever in history, but yes. the percentages are low. Uh, but when a person does have that extreme dry eye, uh, right. now the difference between the two surgeries um, – is this a surgery that young people could, how young could a person have this particular surgery that you're discussing today? Well, it's FDA approved in the same range, range as LASIK, so over the age of 18. Okay. Uh, we, we, we really don't like to do the surgery in patients that are younger than that because mm-hmm. they tend to still be progressing in their mm-hmm. nearsightedness. So mm-hmm. you're probably familiar, you know, people that are in college often, uh, you know, go up in their prescription and, uh, you know, we don't want to be treating a moving target. So so we want to make sure we have stability in terms of the nearsightedness and it's mm-hmm. not changing. That's very important. Now, in, in terms of the difference between the two procedures, LASIK and the phacic IOL, they're, they're very, very different. LASIK involves work on the cornea, which is the very front surface, the window on the front of the eye. Right. And LASIK involves reshaping that curvature there to make it flatter in the case of nearsightedness mm-hmm. so that the light can focus on the retina without you glasses can't have or contact lenses. I'm sorry? You can't have both surgeries. You can have both surgeries, but that's, oh, that, that's but let's 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 not go there yet because that okay. that's in a very sort of specific. Well, the reason situation. I ask that is if a person's already had LASIK, right, and they decided to come to the doctor and learn more about the phacic surgery, that maybe it's more that something else. Um, it's rare that that would be appropriate, but but you can. There is a situation where we do both surgeries, and we can talk about that, but. Okay. Let, me just, let me just go continue on. So, so yeah, t- LASIK involves working on the cornea, as I mentioned, and mm-hmm. it's permanently removing tissue from the cornea and reshaping it. Okay. The phacic IOL is actually putting a lens implant inside the eye. So we, go, we make a very small incision through the cornea to get mm-hmm. inside the eye, and we inject this incredible lens inside the eye through a very small incision, actually a mm-hmm. three-millimeter incision. It mm-hmm. unfolds inside the eye, and we tuck it in behind the iris, which is the colored part of the eye. As you, as you look at someone, you're looking at their iris, uh, which is that, the colored part, and you're looking through the cornea at that. So this is a lens implant that goes inside the eye. You can think about it as a contact lens that is permanently inside the eye. But it's you permanent. To, you don't ever go back again and well, do you it can, again. You can take it out, but it's permanent in the sense that you don't have to worry about it like a contact lens. Okay. You know, a contact lens you have to take out periodically and clean. This is a lens that goes inside there. There's no maintenance whatsoever. You don't even have to think about it. Now, you know, I'm going to ask you the first thing that comes to my mind because we've had uh, doctors from Harvard here and Tufts, and, and uh, we'll get into the nutrition and, t- and health issues here in a minute because you'll have some good background on that too. But what, is, what do you think is going to happen with the stem cell transplant in the eye? 
uh, with along with these procedures. Do you think that it'll have any, if you've had these procedures, you wouldn't be able to do the stem cell transplant that they're studying? Okay, well, stem cell uh, transplants are, there are many different types uh, and you can have stem cells that differentiate into tissue for the cornea. Mm-hmm. You could have stem cells that differentiate into tissues of like the retina. Mm-hmm. So, so when you talk about stem cell transplants, there, there are different applications of those. Um, and those are completely separate from what we're talking about today. And typically somebody who would need something like that mm-hmm. does not have a very healthy eye. Okay. And, and wouldn't really be a candidate for the type of a lens we're talking about. Okay, and, and, but if you'd already had the lens uh, procedure or the it LASIK wouldn't, it procedure? Wouldn't preclude, it wouldn't preclude, uh, preclude. Your, okay. your candidacy for something like Because you know like what's going to happen, Dr. Hamilton. We're, we're learning a lot. Everybody, you know, uh, this is what I love about, the, like about this show. It's, it's called the power of water, but it's because of dehydration. The body is water, and the planet is water. And I wanted the world to understand how important it is that you learn more about who you are and your health based on water. Um, we're learning a lot about the eye. And people are confused, doctor. It's kind of like if I came to you as, as knowledgeable as you are about so much, and I said, how much do you know about herbs? And you say, well, I'm not sure. There's so much. And it's the same thing about supplements and vitamins and more. And when now we're learning more about food and eyes. We've had uh, tests on uh, Dr. Alan Taylor on nutrition in the eyes. I've had um, infancy group uh, on from the Johnson & Johnson research side on children and being born and babies and eyes. And we're trying to learn um, so people could get out of bed every day and learn to take better care of their health but include their eyes with their health. But they're confused. Sure. And uh, education shows like this one and yourself to come on and take the time and be the professor in the classroom. And we're heard on Voice America, World Talk Radio, Apple iTunes, and Green Talk Radio. Um, um, the people that come in and listen to shows like this are much more, wanting to be much more knowledgeable. Now, on the fake eye surgery, how long has that been out? Uh, it's been around for almost probably eight to ten years now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everything everything comes out clinically in, in other parts of the world like Europe and South America before the United States because of the strict clinical trials required by the FDA to bring a new device, you know, into the clinical realm. So we, we tend to be, um, you know, behind some of the other countries. So I think in the United States it's probably been six to seven years. Mm-hmm. And mo- do most doctors uh, have... Uh, which type of doctors are doing this? Do you have to you literally go to the website or go and start interviewing who's doing it? Uh, how many doctors do you think are doing it in the United States? Well, it's certainly a much smaller number than the number of uh, doctors performing LASIK. And, mm-hmm. and you need to, to go to a surgeon who, who is very experienced with surgery inside the eye, which we call intraocular surgery, things like mm-hmm. cataract surgery, um, you know, because the, the, the techniques used to do this procedure are much more like cataract surgery than they are like LASIK. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have to be a refractive eye surgeon, not just an ophthalmologist, to qualify to do it? You don't technically have to be. Uh, you don't have to be what we call fellowship trained, okay. which just means you did a subspecialty training in cornea or refractive surgery. Mm-hmm. You don't technically need that, mm-hmm. but in practical terms, I think it's very, very helpful to seek that out. One of the things I'm going to ask is we were talking, you were using descriptions like lenses, 
do they have a color involved with this one, or is it just a natural lens? No, it's a clear. It's a clear lens. Uh, uh-huh. You know, we, we we this is not. Um, there's no tint to it. Um, mm-hmm. We want to, you know, allow the most amount of light through, you know, through mm-hmm. the lens, so that we're not impeding the light focusing on the retina. So, um, many of these lenses do have uh, ultraviolet protection, but there's no no okay. no tint no tinting in terms but of. But it the does the have ultraviolet spectrum. protection. Yes. You know, this is something a lot of people through the years, doctor, um, were thinking sunglasses were not important, and now they're saying that sunglasses are very important to people because it does protect you from the problems of the air and the, the brightness, I mean, of the air, and uh, people didn't realize how important that was to think that way. Now, are you? what are you finding with the fake eye lens for sitting at a computer all day? Have you? Has there been any study on that? There, There's... There's really no issue there. In fact, the, the, one of the really great things about the lens is is getting a contact lens out of the person's eye. Right. You know, these folks I'm talking about are very, very nearsighted, and glasses are really not an option. You've mm-hmm. probably seen people walking around with a Coke bottle, thick glasses. Okay. And not only beyond just the cosmetic appearance, the the world is much smaller when you look through those lenses. So it, right. it really distorts the world, and you're you know, you're talking about the eyes being you know, so important for your experience in the world. And, mm-hmm. and by putting a lens inside the eye, you get rid of that minification. So, in fact, many times these patients see better than they've ever seen before Isn't once you put the lens inside. Um, so in terms of the computer, you know, if you're sitting there with these contact lenses on your eye for hours, hours on end every day, it's very fatiguing. And so oh, it has to be. by putting the lens inside the eye, of course, you're removing that that chronic irritation to the surface of the eye, which mm-hmm. certainly affects the tear film as well. Um, mm-hmm. So it's overall just a, a really wonderful option. It is a wonderful option. Now, the, another thing that went through my mind as you were talking is, what have you been doing to study what is happening with the future of people sitting at a computer all day? I've, I've had what's called um, opportunities to, to talk with what they call themselves the computer nerds. In other words, they're people who have been behind a computer since they were nine years old, doctor. And right. they became the carpal tunnel. They got the um, swollen abdomen. They got gout. Their eyes are going horribly uh, out of sight, very unhealthy. Anxieties, stress, uh, not sleeping. I mean, uh, this is uh, uh, people who are sitting at a computer where their whole occupation is their com- the computer of wherever they work. If somebody doesn't show up for work, but the o- it has to continue on, they take that shift for that person to help out because they have the knowledge to go into that computer and do that. So sometimes they're sitting there 21 hours a day, doctor. Is there any research going on for what we can do for better education for these computer uh, occupational uh, hazards. Well, I, I think that the one of the one of the main issues with with that type of computer use has to do. And again, we're going to come back to the surface of the eye and the dryness issues. Um, when you look at the computer or you read or you do anything kind of intently with your eyes up close, the blink rate goes down, and so you're not refreshing the tears on the surface of the eye in a normal way or let's say a, a, a physiologic way. And so the eye tends to dry out. And so this is, this is probably the single biggest issue with computer use is it, it really exacerbates the, the, the dry eye you know, problem. Mm-hmm. And, and that's been demonstrated you know, for sure in, in studies. And, and so 
as you mentioned, I mean, it, it's only ever it's ever increasing, and so we need to come well, up. Well, you with know, education. You know, why did you want to be educated about what you're doing? Education for living and being healthy is that's why I had that show, this show going, Doctor. Right. I hate to sound like a soapbox all over the world. And I call it the power of water because of dehydration. You talk about the tear film, and and I'm talking about the tear film and the skin and the body's organism has to operate on <clears throat> water. People, the education that your university and you yourself offer to people is vital because they'll forget. They get busy with their everyday activities. Absolutely. Have you ever had personally something and you've wondered uh, about, oh, my gosh, I know as much as there is to know about this than anybody else does, but I forgot myself? People have to be reminded. Right. Now, go, let's go into a little bit of nutrition. Um, I've had Dr. Taylor on here from Tufts, and we spent a whole hour talking about nutrition. Uh, and what's learning, what's happening with nutrition in the eyes. And remember, I think you're young. I'm 69, and I've been okay. in research for a long time. But in the old days, Dr. Hamilton, they talked about carrots. You never heard much about anything else. Are you eating your carrots? Carrots, of course, yes. Now we're well, getting know, into what you can tell our audience. We're learning more about what you're eating is so important to affect your eyes. Yes, well, you know, the, the whole the whole sort of wives tale about carrots there certainly is some truth there you know there are there are pigments that are very important um mainly for the health of the retina which is the film in the camera in the back of the eye uh things like beta carotene which is of course the what you hear about in carrots but other things like lutein and zeaxanthine and these other these other pigments that are very important for the protective health of the retina um you know the retina is a film and it's very very delicate and very amazing in terms of how it functions but over the over the years, you know, of course, over the years, there's more sunlight exposure, and just it, it's a cumulative effect. And and there's something called macular degeneration, which is is basically where the film in the camera goes bad, and it goes bad in a very bad place, right in the center, and so it can take away the central part of the vision, and that's a a devastating uh, disease that is unfortunately very very common. Oh, did you uh, especially you, probably, a, you know? Especially um, among among Caucasian. It's yeah, yeah. predicted by 2030 to have uh, millions and millions of people who have macular degeneration. Absolutely, and the reason the reason for that is that the baby boomer population is approaching, well, actually turning 65, I think, this year uh, the, the, for the first the first wave of the baby boomers. So, you know, as I mentioned, it's a disease that that hits later in life, and so we're going to have this huge bump in that population, and so it makes sense that that this very devastating disease would, would increase in its prevalence. So um, Now what know, we're eating, um, the opportunities, and of course it isn't just the food, but it's the everyday lifestyle. You know, when I was studying, um, I came after because I studied dehydration disease, and then I study, of course, the environment and the air and what goes with this. And uh, I started out with the skin first, and then I moved into the organ of the eye and more coming. But uh, indoor conditions, doctor. People forgot that that insulated windows and walls and forced air heating and cooling uh, are just as damaging and drying as an effect on the eyes and the skin as going outdoors if the environment is polluted, but the indoor conditions have no moisture in the air. You've got to have that moisture in the air to detoxify and be flexible. Right. And that eye organ is subjected to 
more than ever in history, and I even got into with the infancy group on the moment that baby is born, doctor, can you learn to have a test available from the moment that baby enters in that delivery room to start studying the dehydration effects? Because there, there's an individuality there, no two eyes alike, no two fingerprints alike. They're all, de- everybody's dehydrating differently. And from that moment on, and uh, the thing about it is, is the organ of the eye, um, with the uh, babies leaving the hospital, is the, are the parents getting as much eye education as they are how to change the diaper? Sure. And probably you're, you're not. Probably well, not. Probably not. I'm sure the answer is no. Because that vision of anxiety um, in the womb and the brain and the eyes connect at the same moment, and the brain is 80 to 90 percent water, and the surface of the eyes are 98 to 99. The tear film is vital to, like you say the vision of the eyes and the whole organism of how it's functioning, the parents are not getting education about the eyes Sure. when they leave. So, But back to uh, fake eye surgery, it sounds like an exciting future. Now, uh, if a person's sitting at a computer all day long and they're um, getting to where uh, they're finding that their eyes are having a lot of problems, how do they decide to go to which doctor? Uh, because people are not educated. Is which doctor is doing what? Or are there any doctors specializing in computer eye syndrome? You know, there's, that's not something you typically see. Um, I probably see as many as, as anybody because I do a lot of, of work with dry eye patients. And mm-hmm. that's the primary reason why those folks come in is because of the fatigue associated with dryness, and so we're very well versed here um, in the different uh, treatments and therapies for um, treating dry eye, and one of which is right up your alley in terms of nutrition, Um, and there are a number of supplement products on the market these days to improve the the overall health of the tear film, primarily through controlling chronic inflammation on the surface of the eye. You know, you mentioned the interface with the environment, and you know, of all the organs in the body, the eye is probably the one that is sort of laid out there the most in terms of it is the most, yes. with the environment, because every time, right. you know, except for that very short blink, um, the surface of the eye is in contact with the environment all the time. It's not covered by the skin all day long. That's right. That's right. So, um, so there are a number of of, uh, of supplements that contain various essential fatty acids and and things mm-hmm. like you know, lactoferrin and, and mm-hmm. turmeric and things like that that really help control chronic inflammation. Um, and so, you know, nutrition is very, very helpful for controlling dry eye uh, symptoms. Uh, now, uh, Dr. Um, uh, Taylor was saying that I asked him, I put him on the car, but I said, because we had a great show and about uh, kale and spinach and all the dark green vegetables and trying to get that into the individual every day. And, but I brought up, what do you think is the number one problem that could be causing, let's just start out with one, and the food, uh, and he said sugar. Sure, right. Yeah, he felt like, and I said, well, is that because sugar heats up the body and causes a, another dehydration effect? And he said it's possibly, that could be part of it, and and the carbohydrates and the problems that go with, uh, and then I have another doctor, Philip Payton, ophthalmologist, who all of a sudden started studying vegan, and he's got patients that are getting better and uh, by changing their diet. And, and whether they be macular degeneration, diabetics, 
uh, rheumatoid arthritis, whatever it may be, they come in for their eyes, but all of a sudden they have a package of, of symptoms. And he got them changing their diet, and they started finding some of the symptoms were getting better. Sure. And it is amazing right. how simple our lives could be if we learned how to study ourselves. We only have a couple of minutes left. Uh, how would you like to close today with your background, dedication, of what you're doing with you and your clinic and all? What do people need to learn? Well, I think we need to, to, to realize, as, as you mentioned, that, that the eye is a, is a, is a absolutely vital organ in the body, and, and yet it's, it's something that's so complex and yet functions so normally in the vast majority of patients that I think we become complacent about it. And, and I think we need to realize that, that uh, you know, checkups are, are important. There are things that can occur that are asymptomatic, like glaucoma that's, that can take your eyesight gradually that you would have no idea that you have. Um, certainly early signs of macular degeneration can be detected, and we have some some wonderful new therapies and and oral supplements that can that can help uh, help improve that situation. So, I guess the take-home message would be: let's not be complacent about our eyesight, and let's get an annual checkup to to make sure we are preserving this incredible uh, instrument that we've been given to to see the world. And your website is uh, www.uclaser.com. UCLaser.com, that's correct. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you I'm so sorry, much. Just a second. What? Oh, our other guest isn't on quite yet. But uh, uh, one thing I wanted to say as you close for the audience to be able to come in and learn, and uh, do you, is your website with education also? com has a lot of educational material. Good. There's another website, uh, lasik.ucla.edu. It's okay. uh, also very, very informative in terms of the procedures. Okay. Well, I want to thank you for coming on, and uh, I hope you do this again one day because you were full of a lot. We learned a lot. Uh, you gave us some information that we hadn't had before. Great. Thanks so much for having me. You have a nice day, and be you well. Too. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Well, what we have been learning every time we have a guest on with a background, and I need all of you to understand, the eyes are the most... I, I found when I started studying the human eye organ um, that that organ is you. Have you ever noticed that all life on Earth that's a living life is moving with an eye? I don't care if it's a moth. I don't care if it's under the ocean, if it's on top of the, on the soil. It's got an eye. And their eyes are of, of something that are a visionary, a messenger, a part of it's you. And I cannot express how important it is for you to be able to learn to understand your eye functioning. So many of you are sitting at a computer today, and I did a blog called What is the Eye? And I challenged everybody to try to understand what is the eye. And I was shocked, and I am shocked. I've been 12 years studying the organ of the eye as a function because of dehydration. How important it is for you to understand your eyes are who you are. When that eyelid opens in delivery room, that eye is subjected to life from there on, connected to the brain. The brain is 80 to 90% water. It's connected to the brain and the eyes are connected together from the beginning of your moment in the womb. And then when that eyelid opens in that delivery room, all of a sudden, dehydration of the eyes begins. 
So always remember that it's so important for you to not only drink 8 to 10 glasses of water a day, but it's important for you to be able to have nutrition to the eyes. Our sponsor will uh, listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, is the only method worldwide to supplement and give it just a natural mist. You know, you've heard of lip balm. This is the nature's method of mist for the eyes to be able to supplement your eyes during that day. It is so important for your eyes to get that supplement of water. Well, listen to our sponsor, Nature Sears Eye Mist, and we'll be right back with Dr. Davis. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Davis, are you with us? Yeah, Dr. Mark Davis here. How are you today? Thank well, you. I am me fine. On. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Well, uh, now you are author and a medical lobbyist. Uh, your topic today is going to be with us, the politics and legal aspects of health care. Yes. I was really anxious, and I know, I hope I can get you on again someday because we lost a couple of minutes, and every minute is vile, very valuable yes. for what you're going to be teaching us today. Uh, How did you get we, into what you're doing? Yes, we can talk about uh, Obamacare at an extent, of course, a third book is coming on line from us about Obamacare. Basically, what we see is uh, Romney Care, a program installed in Massachusetts in 2006, uh, is a microcosm of the bill that's been put nationally a couple of years ago. That is uh, a socialized brand of medicine where a central core, like a federal government and or a state government, uh, controls all aspects of medicine, including and not limited to uh, access and uh, finances of, of the program. And when you read the Romney bill and the Romney care legislation and the amendments that move forward, you would see that uh, it's in cost overrun now, just in the state level, at hundreds of millions of dollars. Access is not exactly what they claimed it would be. It brought a lot of people into the program. That should not have been put into the program. Who don't now, I'm going to ask a question, and if I sound very naive, Trust me, I am about some of this. Sure. Um, and, and I'm, I'm very eco about my outlook on things. Um, sure. um, Romney Care. Now, didn't Massachusetts pass that 
and he happened to be the governor. But was it his whole 100%? No, of course not. 100% want that um, insurance uh, bill? No, that's very intuitive. You're absolutely correct. It was a collectivization of private and public industry came together to discuss the bill, but at the end, he is the one that mandated it. He came. Yeah, he the- mandated it, but what I'm saying, because you're elected governor of a state, legally you have to go by the laws of the vote. But uh, or what? But again, um, when this passed, did you think that? When you're calling it the new administration, the Obama group uh, administration, the president of the United States' group, their administration, did you think they they used that as a model for the one they were doing for the nationwide? Yes, yes, and self-admittedly they did. Absolutely, that's out in the literature that is supported by fact. Yes, it Uh is. It's a microcosm of the Massachusetts bill, of the larger bill that was installed. The legislation 111148, which is the Obama legislation uh, that's been put on us, is is basically Romney Care with the mandates and how it treats different types of health care facilities. Yes, Uh, Romney came into power in 2002. I could be wrong and correct me. Yeah. Um, Dr. Davis, if we call it Romney Care, Obamacare, I think our audience out in the whole wide world is going to be confused and take things personal rather than look at the well, at what you're trying to teach us that these particular um, bills and and new these medical health care futures have uh, let's just forget about I would almost want to forget about the people that, that got the name attached to it and have people be educated about what is really happening there well, with those health care programs uh, based on names, just the fact uh, that they got passed. Right, right. These names are just for reference points only. Not yeah, and, and the reason I want to do that is because I think you've got a lot to teach us. And I, I think if I left behind the title of somebody's name to it, that people might be more open-minded to learn more about what these are all about and what maybe you could teach us today are the legal aspects of these programs. That's fine. Uh, Yeah, I I mean, that's just where I, because I think it's serious. I do. I've been studying health care. I'm 69 years old, doctor, and I've been studying health care since my 20s. Now, why did I do what I do? Because I saw that people were confused and they're dying because they didn't understand dehydration disease. So then I come along, and now I have a radio talk show that wants the world to be educated all over the world. And uh, here I am, my, my own ecosystem outlook of what's going on with these massive health care projects that I'm worried about. I am too worried about them. And uh, I think the legal aspects of them are a lawyer's dream. Now, you Correct. may disagree with me. No, no, I don't disagree with you at all. I wrote Demons of Democracy. It's how lawyers and legislators are deconstructing the country. No, I'm quite on your side. That, that's that it. The thing is, let's not use the word Obamacare. Let's use le- legislation 111148, which is the core bill that became this, the federal legislation. That means Congress, 111, the 111th Congress, and the bill number 148. It's a little more there difficult to conceive that. But nevertheless, this bill particularly... Uh, denies access in certain ways. For example, it reduces uh, 
It puts moratoriums on radiological facilities, building of mm-hmm. hospitals, nursing homes. With a larger population that the bill is trying to introduce health care to, there would be less facility available. So they have to be more selective in who gets what in terms of health care. Now, so as I'm you just said, ask you also on something, as you just said that. I, I, I'm a typical radio talk show host. Excuse me when I interrupt so that I can get the no, question. No, keep going. Keep going. And you and I'll do this again. You know, I was just listening to a really good interview with the chairman of PepsiCo. Yeah. She's from India originally. And um, yeah. she was saying where the United States has the greatest medical facility research in the world. Yeah. In the world. Yeah. What would this do? There's no place, there's no country in the world that has what we have available in medical um, facilities and medical procedures and, and breakthroughs in research and science. Agreed. What will happen to all? Did you learn when you were studying all this? What would happen to our country when we're the greatest in the world, we're the leaders of that again in the world, and people all over the world want to come here for that? What would happen to our own health care programs? Well, it, when you introduce more people into a defined program, less people get care. Because yes. more people are utilizing the services, of course. So you have to uh, find ways which to limit care to these people. Uh, and that's exactly what's going to happen. You would have, for example, I could call uh, an MRI facility locally here and get an MRI within 24 hours or less. You go up to Canada, it could take up to 12 weeks. You can get right. a casket, it may take up to 20 weeks. These are facts. These are their facts, not my right. facts. So we, we do see that limiting access to health care by Having a nationalized bill doesn't mean more people will get more care. If that right. did happen, exponential costs would go up well beyond even what the $14.3 trillion deficit we have now. Well, now yeah. let's go into that for a second. Now, our listeners need to know that the more the government gets involved, the more expensive everything becomes. People don't realize that, doctor. It, yes. They, you know, I've often thought we should have a cable a channel to where people could go into classrooms and say, well, I want to learn more about this, I want to learn more about that, and the, on what's costing us money from our home. Our citizens in America are our are, are shareholders of, yeah. of a country, of an investment, of what we do in the United States of America to do business all over the world. Are they getting every single person a dividend every year? No. No. Because and, uh, and, and the thing money. about it is, is this new health care project, which I am so serious about as an individual, and I'm trying to get people to be educated about taking better care of themselves, and then all of a sudden we've got somebody out there saying in a new administration, oh, my gosh, we're heroes because we got this passed for those people who don't know how to take care of themselves. Well, what about those people who do know how to take care of themselves and want to make choices in a free society? Yeah, this limits choices. This limits access. So choices are reduced for those people, as you just mentioned. So there will be less choice. Uh, you, you won't be able to be directed to the doctor that you want to go to, to the hospital. You will be eventually, as this comes into play, if it stays uh, enforced, this bill, uh, it will limit your access to health care. Bottom line, bottom line. And you see that very in the socialized system. Very expensive. Uh, they never mentioned the Japanese system, if people have a chance to review that. It's a lot better system. It's, it's a confluence of private and public, and it and allows a lot of choices, which ours is not modeled after. Ours is modeled after, unfortunately, the Romney care, or I'm sorry, uh, the Romney uh, bill. That's okay. <laughs> Romney I just bill wanted the audience to care. start being more open-minded than taking things personal with people. Yeah. And that's why I do it, Dr. Davis, because I think when people learn to take responsibility for decisions but don't, put the, don't go after the person, go after the people who did it. Well, 
I have to say that the governor was a central focus in this bill because he was able to bring all groups together to push this bill. And now that the bill's in place, uh, and there are probably several hundred websites pointed to the fallacies in the bill. So okay. there's a lot of data out there to support what I'm saying. Okay, well, Van Out, I can't argue with that. I won't even debate that one with you. Yeah. Now, on these, the legal side of all of our attorneys in the country, see, this is something else that's happened. Can you do anything, can anybody do anything without hiring an attorney? Because it is so mind-boggling at the, at the is- legal issues, everybody has to have an attorney. Well, the, the attorney or the legal system and or the legislators that enable them introduce complication uh, into the system. So the, uh, the only way to unravel it is using an attorney. So attorneys are unfortunately necessary. You mean unravel what? Unravel, <laughs> Can they unravel, unravel anything? The, the very complex laws that they passed on the books. You can't okay. go into a court without knowing the law, and the yeah. law is written in such a way that the average guy can't understand it. So an attorney has to unravel or disclose what, or what these laws actually mean. And with, unfortunately, the, the society is over-criminalized. Ma- many benign civil functions now are been criminal. And we see this, and it's, the book points this out, even the democracy, very carefully, one after another. It talks about how the legislature enables lawyers. It's, for example, the, uh, the newest health care bill we were just discussing. It's written by lawyers. If you read through it, which I did, you will see that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, now, Dr. Davis, I wanted to ask you something like on, you just brought up the, all these legal. I mean, it's beyond all imagination. Um, it, it's beyond all imagination. It's almost—it's yeah. a nightmare of, 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 of beyond imagination. Yeah. But what happens, for example, on this Medicare thing, when we there have so many illegal activities with the Medicare uh, program that have caused it to be eaten up yeah. by uh, criminal activities? It's not the program; yeah. it was the criminal activity taking money uh, money out of the program that were illegal. Right. Well, according to the new legislation, Medicare money specifically will be diverted to other programs for people under 65. So that is there, that is fact, and they can't refute that, and they don't refute it. Uh, Medicare yeah, initially was an excellent... Before you move on for a second, Doctor, our audience, you know, they're confused. People won't say, oh, you're trying to scare me. I'm over the... And would you, can you know how to define what that is all about so people can understand they're going to be out of money? They're trying yeah. to not run out of money. How? Explain to our audience what happens when you run out of money. When you and run out of money, money you run out of the access. The, the, the health care becomes rationed, and it will be rationed. And it is scary, and I'm worried because I am 59 years old. I am a physician, so is my wife, and we both see what's coming down the road. Limited access, uh, hip replacements that people may need for severe pain will not be there. Uh, extra care that we need as we get older won't be there for us. And sure, it's very scary, and that's why they want to take it off the books. That's why I tend it to the Supreme Court, because a lot of rational people are seeing this, as we do, as you are. And, and I'm sure I'd be worried, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can be healthy into your, into your 80s or later, but you have to work at it, as you said. Yeah, um, I'm one of those, uh, Dr. Davis. In fact, I noticed that you had um, been involved with diet, did you have a book out there about uh, diets and how yes, important Yes, Millennium Diet, the Practical Guide to Rapid Weight Loss, is used on four continents. It's been peer-reviewed. It's been wow. sold so many I lost count how many people have bought the book by the tens of thousands. And the, the book basically talks about a restricted protein, low-calorie diet. And that's the newest diet 
which may actually increase longevity. It does in lab animals, and that's a certain fact. We know that. Uh, and they apply it to humans, and we're hopefully it will do the same thing in them. High protein allows the cells to work more efficiently. Mm-hmm. But there's still carbs in the diet, I mean, but it's mm-hmm. moderated. The food groups are proportioned, and the, the style of eating has changed, and people lose weight very quickly. You know, I'm a believer of that, Dr. Davis, um, um, because I've been in cornea research, eye research for a long time now. I was brought in by ophthalmology years ago yeah. and to study the dehydration of the surface yeah. of the eye, the tear film. Yeah. Then I started studying more about the diet because I've been studying nutrition forever. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, one of my doctors or leading doctors in my team, Dr. Philip Payton, yeah. ophthalmologist, went in and started studying vegan as a diet. Yeah. and found that his patients were getting better. Yeah. Macular degeneration, diabetics, because they changed their diet. And vegan may sound a little extreme, but they needed to extremely do something real quick. Correct. And uh, t- what is your thinking on the diet? Vegan diet is an excellent diet, diet. Uh, ex- except a couple of amino acids may not be present in there. You may need to have egg or something else to supplement it. Mm-hmm. But basically, the vegan diet is a very healthy diet. I would say move forward with it if people want to be a, on a vegan diet. It's of course, mm-hmm. it works well. And now, what is your diet well. that you had in your book? Because uh, I'm a high protein. I want to have you on about that someday because I'm a believer. And you've uh, you've studied it. I haven't mastered, I haven't gone in and just studied only diet. I've got my world is dehydration, and what is well, causing that from birth. Well, but back to the diet. I'm a believer that we have got to start learning to live with this earth, and what we eat is who we are is a big package of our of our whole lifestyle. The Millennium Diet specifically utilizes water or low-cal fluids, and water is one of the best supplements for diet you could actually have. Well, you it's like an ionized ingredient. It, it, it's <laughs> plentiful, and it, and it just does what it's supposed to do. It helps wash the food down and metabolize it. And you need a certain level of water to do metabolism um, and for excretion purposes. So water would be one of the basic uh, ingredients in the Millennium Diet, of course. Mm-hmm. And not like the old Stillman Diet where he overwaterized you, but it, it's still part of our diet. So, well, yes. We only have about a half a minute left. How would you like to leave your audience? And I'd like to have you on again. I know how busy you must be, but I'd sure like to bring you in again about uh, your book that on the diet because I think that cannot be. Did you read about the new nutrition um, diet from the agricultural? Um, yes, the plate. Oh, I, where the did plate. they put the water? Yeah, they, I didn't see they it there. Did Not it only again. that, no it panders to food processors. Oh, and I saw that you and I too. need to take him to task. If you read the Millennium Diet, you'll see what not to do, and the Millennium Diet is what people should okay, be how doing do we now. Find, how do we find you on the, the website? The website, go to, just for the Millennium Diet, go to www.millenniumdiet.com okay. or demonsofdemocracy.us for the Demons of Democracy book. Uh, it's all over the place. You can and we have you on again, I hope. Yeah, anytime you want. I would I'd like to the nutrition it. thing, to me, is the beginning of people learning to live with this planet. We could talk about every aspect of nutrition at the time. All right. I really you have a nice it. day, and thank you for Thanks all your for time. Thanks for talking to me while I'm on your show. Okay, Bye. thank you, and be Bye-bye. well. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, did we learn today? I think the education with the, this program uh, is uh, going to grow up, be big. I need help uh, to do that. Um, uh, we believe that the power of water is your life to live on this earth. We believe that that new nutrition chart has a problem. Uh, that new nutrition chart on the pyramid before they put in what, how many millions of dollars did they put in to understand how to eat? The first one didn't have, the, the pyramid didn't have a glass of water. And now the new one, the plate, 
has no glass of water. Without the water, they threw their millions away. That's how I feel about it. I think that there's very important for you to come to the websites and learn as much as you can and learn to compare information. That's the exciting part about this new information highway availability. Earth does have a secret. Let's learn to live with it. It's not going to learn to live with us, as we've been finding out with climate change. But embrace your life, and when you learn to live with the Earth, you'll learn to live with other people and their differences, and, and pray for those differences, and so you can become more knowledgeable. But, but Earth is whispering. Don't say goodbye and take it all with you. That's why I say Earth is whispering. Don't say goodbye. Don't take it all with you. Pay it forward. And you'll be as important and as immortal as every, uh, everything that is so exciting to live with the nature of this earth and the power of water. I want to thank you for listening. Be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinerHour.com.